Tonight's Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 1, verse 1, on page 1025 in the Pew Bibles. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. The birth of John the Baptist foretold. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abjar. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well on in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of the incense, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well on in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realised he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, He returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favour and taken away my disgrace among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm told it's always a surprise. Sometimes a nice surprise, sometimes a shock, but a surprise nonetheless when the pregnancy test shows positive, a blue line. Surprise! But you know, it's even more of a surprise when you know you are a virgin. An even greater surprise when the angel brings you the test results. 
you will be with child and you will give birth to a son. Now you might have listened to that reading and thought I've come to hear about the baby Jesus. I mean it's Christmas, but please bear with me. During Advent uh, we've been looking at a, a series entitled Miraculous Births in the Bible. Each one of them in their own way points to Jesus. You see, the birth of Jesus had been planned for centuries. In fact, before the world began. So if we're to understand the amazing love of God, it's important that we sometimes stand back and take a look at the big picture. And in case you are in any doubt that this is God's work, confounding the laws of nature and breaking into this world, just so we can be certain, there's not one miraculous pregnancy in this family, but two. And into Mary's confusion and doubt, the angel of the Lord uh, says this, just a little bit further on in that uh, passage in Luke chapter 1. The angel of the Lord says, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, and when she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So can you imagine the scene? Elizabeth hobbles into Judean Central Hospital on her Zimmer frame. She's an old woman. And the lady on reception says, Hello dear, the geriatric ward is just down the corridor and turn right. And Elizabeth says, I want maternity. Oh, how lovely, says the receptionist. What is it? A baby granddaughter? No, says Elizabeth on her Zimmer frame. I'm pregnant. I'm having a boy, you know. Madam, says the receptionist, as she reaches underneath to push the panic button. The psychiatric ward is over there. Just give me a scan and you'll see. So they give her a scan and they're amazed to find she's six months pregnant. How can this be? Nothing is impossible with God. Well, I don't know what the biggest shock in your life has been, whether it's something horrible or wonderful, but imagine yourself in in either of their situations, actually, but put yourself in Mary's sandals. She's not Kate Middleton. Everyone in the world was interested in her pregnancy. Mary is 13 or 14. She's a Palestinian peasant girl. She's unmarried, and she's from an obscure place called Nazareth. And Nazareth, by the way, doesn't get a mention in any of the history books. It's not mentioned at all in the Old Testament. In Stoke terms, it would be something like, um, I can't really say my old parish, Um, it would be something like Ichuria. We'll say Ichuria. No one's from Ichuria here, are they? No, good. Right, something like, you just don't mention it. She's a virgin and she's been told she will produce the Son of the Most High. She's going to be the mother of the one to whom the whole of the Old Testament has been pointing forward to. Up to the Gospels, the Bible has just been looking forward to the time when Jesus is born. The rest of the Bible, the New Testament, is just about his life and how we should respond to him. History is divided by this child before Christ and in the year of our Lord, B.C. and A.D. The one who is the focal point of history is there inside her womb. No wonder 
she is troubled. How can this be? But God has planned for it. Elizabeth is there to support her. She's had her own miraculous experience. The Lord has done this for me, she says. But more, she's had a lifetime of experience. She's suffered ostracism for years. Being childless was seen as a punishment from God. And so there would be those snide comments. Zechariah and Liz, nice couple. No kids, though. You've got to wonder what they've done. I, I, know, I know he's a priest, but you know, you never know, do you? Elizabeth can prepare Mary for all the gossip that's going to come her way. Elizabeth will be a role model and a mentor for Mary. But more importantly, her child, John the Baptist, that's the one we are talking about, he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. Now, how does John prepare the way? I don't know if you've noticed how some presents are designed to drop a hint. So, tonight, when Santa visits you, how are you going to feel if you get one of these? Bit okay, bit of old spice. It's okay. And then you look again. Oh, some odor eaters foot spray. It's going to get better, surely. Surely. Some deodorant and some lavender soap. You can be in no doubt what people are telling you. And if you get a present like that, or all your presents are like that, you can either take the hint and use it, or you can go off in a huff and ignore it. And that's essentially what John the Baptist's message is. Repent and be baptised. So when he grows up, his preparing of the way for Jesus is to go out into the wilderness and to call people to repent and be baptised. Repentance, by the way, is about... um, You're going your way. And repent means you turn around and you start going God's way. Baptism is about being born again into God's family. Being washed clean from your sins. And God's gift, you see, drops an enormous hint. A saviour. That's what Jesus came to be. A saviour. We need saving. We are in need of being rescued. And we find it hard to believe because we've been told all sorts of other things about God. We've been told that God is a big softy in the sky, a big celestial father, Christmas. Someone who doesn't really mind what we do. If we ignore him, we're selfish, don't live the way he wants, it doesn't really matter, he's just going to turn a blind eye. Actually, if we think about it, we know that we're not at peace with God. And we can see the effects all around us. War and unrest in many parts of our world. Even Bethlehem at this moment is not celebrating Christmas. We can see it in the unfairness of our own society. The lack of care for the poor and the elderly. And maybe some of you, maybe some of you know it personally. 
the fear of losing jobs, financial worries, and this lack of peace in our world, in society, in our own hearts. It's all symptoms of humankind not being at peace with God. And that is the result of human sin, of us saying we want to live our way. And the bad news is this. The Bible tells us that all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. None of us is naturally at peace with God. And the Bible says we're all naturally enemies because we run our own lives. We want to ignore him. And when we get annoyed, the truth slips out. I'm going to live my my way. No one's going to tell me what to do. We want to be God of our own lives. And God knew that. He made preparations. That's how much he loved us. When he created us, he wanted relationship. He knew that we would go our own way, ignore him and turn our backs. And I guess that most of you have gone to great efforts to buy presents for your family and friends. You've given it a lot of thought, and some do require a lot of thought, don't they? And how would you feel? How would you feel if everyone took your gift but never said thank you? They just expected it just took them for granted. And when that sort of thing happens, you feel a bit put out, a bit angry. I wonder how God feels. He gives us so many good things. Family, friends, laughter, food, good looks, hair, well at least some of us will get hair, every breath we take. And so often we ignore him. And as a result, we are his enemies. And that's why we need rescuing. We're not at peace with God. We are at war with him. And one day we will come face to face with God at his judgment seat. That's the bad news. But the good news is that God loves us so much, he sent his son to be our saviour. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And the good news the Old Testament points forward to. The good news that John the Baptist prepared for. This is the good news that God has made it possible to be at peace with him through Jesus, actually through his death on the cross. And that's why he came to die for us, to take the punishment that our rebellion against God deserves. That's why we celebrate communion on Christmas. And as we unwrap the real meaning of Christmas, we see it's about a rescue mission. God sending us a saviour. So as you sit around your Christmas dinner tomorrow, do give a thought for what Jesus has done for you.